Audio, the never-ending struggle. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, to be fair, my audio is optimized through OBS, right? I mean, because that's where most of the audio comes through. <laughs> That's why recording audio is hard, because this is the uh, episode 33 of the Halcyon Frequency podcast, airing Sunday, September 4th, 2022. I'm blind, and I'm hosting again this week, and I'm joined by FG Squared. How are you? Hello. Good evening. I um, It's Friday, so I'm in a Friday mood, uh, in a good and bad way, but yeah, looking forward to the weekend. And uh, also joining us today is Wa Jess. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing... Great. It's not my evening, though. It's like afternoon. So good afternoon. I'm super excited because we got our notification that our Steam Deck is coming soon. Ooh. Do you know what the ETA is on that? Or no. is it just like soon? It's soon. We paid for it and everything. But the, the, the whole Steam Deck thing's been kind of neat because it's just like, man, it's taking a while for those Steam Decks to start like rolling out. And then now that they're rolling out, it's like all these articles keep keep popping up. It's like Steam Decks are shipping sooner than expected. It's like, huh. Oh, yeah. Ours is coming like two months earlier than we were told. That's awesome, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm stoked. Like, in, in, initially, when they were doing like the signups, like the put down five bucks to like get your name on a list to maybe get it in six months thing was like, hmm. <laughs> but... I'm actually kind kind of hoping when I'm down at PAX I can steal somebody's Steam Deck and try one because I still haven't seen one in person. Me neither, yeah. Mm, yeah. Maybe Kiri brought one. I, I don't know if she'd be lugging that around on the floor, but maybe. I know I'll have my Playdates so we can trade. <laughs> <laughs> but Playdates pocket-sized, so that's maybe unfair. That's a bit easier, yeah. 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 Like I can For bring sure. that thing on the bus or bring it basically anywhere. But uh, yeah. on the on the topic of Kiri, uh, we she actually recorded um, a little bit about uh, her time at Gamescom. So this podcast is going to be a little bit different uh, for time saving reasons because I have to go to PAX tomorrow, but also um, because uh, you know we have this lovely recording from Kiri. So we're going to actually jump from here in this the intro of this podcast over to 2D Kiri's uh, l lovely little description of her time at Gamescom. So we're going to play through that, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about the games that we've been playing this week. So. Uh, give us a couple of minutes, and then we will be back after this chat from Kiri. Hi, this is Kiri. I can't be on this podcast episode, but I still want to talk about Gamescom and share with you my experience. But don't worry, there's going to be a too long didn't read because a lot has happened and everything was amazing. I was there from Thursday to Sunday in Cologne, Germany. I took a long train ride there. Which was a train ride from hell because it, I booked so late. So I took a night train, but I only had a seat. I couldn't actually lie down. The compartment was cramped with five other people. I couldn't even stretch out my legs, which was really, really bad. So I hardly slept, but also because in the middle of the night, um, you know, some people left, new people arrived, and there were four young men who thought it was a great idea to just have a party in a night train. Yeah, not a good idea. Don't do that, please. But, you know, overall, I, I arrived. It was an hour late, but it was not too bad. I met up with, with friends. They they very kindly offered me their couch in the Airbnb they were staying at, which was super nice because, once again, I booked very late. So I, I didn't know it was coming until a couple of weeks ago, and then I just needed something. So they, they said, you know, our Airbnb has a sofa. You can stay there. And it was so comfortable. 
it doesn't sound like it, right? When you say, oh, I slept a couple of days on a sofa, but it was actually very comfortable. I suppose it was great. So I got to hang out with them, which was really nice. And well, they were busy with meetings. I was busy with meetings, but we, we managed for a bit at least. That was really cool. And Gamescom itself is massive. So people told me that before. So I was kind of expecting something big, but it still blew my mind. It was so overwhelming. There were 11 halls. Some of them had two floors even. And there was a business area and a consumer area. The business area was absolutely amazing. And I love that because there were, you know, fewer people there. And I felt comfortable walking around without a mask. But the entertainment area, well, on Thursday, it was okay still. But then on the weekend, and especially Saturday, it was insane. There were so many people. You you were just pushing yourself with the crowd through the halls. And the, the queues for the very popular games were hours long. People brought like those camping, uh, camping stools, really, to sit while waiting in line. So going there for my business, that was absolutely cool and amazing. And I've met so many old people, people, old people as in... People I've I've known, you know, people I've met before, people I only met online before and worked with before. And then I met new people as well. I made new friends and and all of that was amazing. But going there as a consumer, I absolutely would not do it. There's just way too many people. I wouldn't want to stand in line for games, you know, also, you know, I can't play those games anyway. But yeah, like it's an experience. And for, you know, B2B stuff, absolutely, yes. Consumer side. Uh, it's not for me. I mean, some people enjoy it, right? But I wouldn't. I just, no, it's just way too, way too busy. But talking about busy, <laughs> I was busy because I had lots of meetings with developers and publishers and just, you know, people who randomly texted me and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here. Do you want to stop by our booth? Have a chat. And I also had a couple of presentations. So the way this works on the business side is you sign up for game presentations. So there's usually two developers. One of them is giving the presentation, the other one is playing the game and showcasing things. And also the publisher would sit in and several other people that could be press, content creators, I, I don't know, just, you know, people. So you have these meeting rooms and you learn about new games and check it out. And then afterwards, it's, it's always the question of, you know, what do you want to know about this game? Or do you have any questions? And I was, I was talking to each and every one of them about accessibility in games, about simulation sickness, you know, if there's camera shake, can we turn it off? And so on. So I had my elevator pitch down for, for Gamescom and I, I said it so many times. But the cool thing is that everybody was really receptive to that and open to add accessibility settings to the game. And it was really nice. And also I got recognized. So TwitchCon was about the community, right? I got recognized by viewers. They came up to me and wanted to talk and take a picture. But Gamescom, I got recognized by developers and publishers and PR companies, or just other companies, because I've worked with them before, or they know me from, I don't know, maybe they watch my streams, or they, they know me from something we've worked on before. It was really cool, like getting that recognition was really nice. I also got a lot of swag, and the coolest thing is probably an eye tracker that I got to test for, you know, how does it affect me with simulation sickness. Can I maybe play games that I can't play without an eye tracker? But with the eye tracker, you know, I can, I can turn my head slightly and then the camera turns. So I actually make that movement. So I don't know, but really cool. So I just, you know, randomly these things just happened. I gave an interview for Sega, which maybe will be on social media next week. 
and I had an impromptu meeting with Xbox about, about accessibility and I got invited to a Sega party and I met so many amazing people from different developing studios that are published by Sega. So developers from Relic Entertainment, from Creative Assembly, Amplitude, of course, because, you know, my humankind avatar and like, I, I feel like I know most of the people working for Amplitude now and, and every single one of them is so nice and just friendly and open and I had a great time. I also went to dinner with them and it was nice. It was just overall an amazing experience. And I know I said it's too long, didn't read. And now I'm at like six minutes already. So I apologize if this is too long, just blind odds that you can just cut stuff out. That's fine. Um, yeah. And then, you know, by the time you listen to this, I'll probably be at PAX. I say probably because I still don't have a flight, but I'm, it is very certain that I'm going to go to PAX. And the funny thing is that I actually met people the one from Microsoft, for example, Brannon lives in Seattle. So he offered to just show me around, drive me around if I needed, and also give me a tour through the Microsoft HQ. It's like all of these things, they just happen because you meet somebody in person, because you're there at a convention, just having a chat, right? If you do that just through, you know, social media, through Twitter, those things don't come up, right? But because you're actually in person and you're having a chat and it's not just, oh, business, then you can, you know, I, I told him, hey, yeah, I love I love the project we've talked about. I'm going to get onto that, but not next week because I won't be there because I'm going to go to PAX. And I wouldn't really say that in an email because emails, is usually you want to keep it short, right? But yeah, no, so I absolutely love conventions. This summer has been a bit mental because I was on, I uh, was at three conventions already. I think so. There was Level Up in Austria, then there was TwitchCon, Gamescom, I'm going to be at PAX, and then maybe also Vienna Comic Con after that. Like, it's it's insane, and it's so exhausting. But on the other hand, I just love every second of it. Like, going to conventions, meeting people, or meeting them again, right? Getting to talk about stuff, and then coming up with cool projects. And I do have really cool projects coming up, mostly about accessibility and simulation sickness. I don't want to go into detail yet, but there's... There are cool things coming. Yeah, and then on, on Sunday, I actually skipped Gamescom because I thought, you know, Saturday was really so busy. I just, nah, I don't want to. So I met with one of my moderators, Dap, who came from the Netherlands. And we went for a walk and had a really nice time, did a bit of sightseeing in Cologne. And then I took the train back and I actually, I actually afforded first class for that. And let me tell you, first class for a long train trip, it's so worth it. It is so worth it. I had lots of space and, you know, it was quiet. I had Wi-Fi, although that wasn't really amazing, but in general, absolutely cool. So yeah, that was a business trip for me. Gamescom, I'll definitely go again next year as a business. Yes, consumer. Eh. Depending on, you know, if, if you like crowds of people, if you actually want to queue up for games. But also the cool indie area, that was, that was really nice. So yeah, with that... That was my too long didn't read <clears throat> nine minute summary of Gamescom. I could talk about this for hours, but I'm not gonna bore you with that. Thank you for listening. Let's get back to the others. And we're back with the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. Thank you very much, Kiri, who's currently in a plane flying to PAX West uh, for recording that before she left. Um, and uh, hope you all enjoyed listening to her time at Gamescom. Moving on, uh, FG. We're going to be talking about the games that we're going to be playing that we've been playing this week, and uh, FG uh, wants to talk about her time at Sandrock. Yes, um, my my second time, my continued time at Sandrock. I suppose is the best way to describe it because 
Yeah, well, no, no, because it's not really an extended stay because I've returned to it because I played through all of the early access release content. But early this morning, uh, my time at like 4 a.m., we uh, got the first early access new content update. And uh, so I was like, I saw it and I was immediately like, I'm going to play this today on stream and I'm super excited. Um, it was a few days delayed. It was originally planned for tuesday um but uh my the, the my time at porsche devs pathia games there in china so covid yes covid strikes again and that's why the update is delayed because um they still have a zero like zero COVID policy so as soon as there's COVID, like over a certain amount of cases in an area they just go into a hard lockdown so some of their um devs actually got locked into lockdown without their development rigs like without access to their development rigs so they had like a really hard time um qa testing this patch um like for the last few days because i don't, I don't know how many of their people but like a whole bunch of their devs just yeah they just were basically cut off from their work because they're not allowed to leave home at all for whatever reason right so um but we got it today so that was the 2nd of september so it wasn't actually that much delayed like so props to them i guess they clearly somehow managed uh, to get it out. Um, maybe a little bit less QA tested than it was supposed to be. Um, the new content is great. I'm really enjoying it. Um, we're getting new, more backstories for some town people. Um, you can actually like properly romance people now because this is a live sim. So of course you can romance people and there's farming and building and all that sort of stuff. Um, I've already done a new ruins. There is um, a whole new story chapter um and just loads of content update new recipes to build no just like basically like you know adding loads and loads and loads of contents new side quests for new cat for for characters there's a new character um really really good though i had this really odd thing and it was hilarious on stream this doesn't work again in the podcast um so i was doing a ruin which is basically their version of a dungeon hazardous ruin and <laughs> I, I go through the first floor normally, but then towards the end of it, every time an enemy was gearing up to attack, my game would slow down to like... It wasn't, it wasn't like it was stuttering. It was just slowed down. So it was like action slow-mo matrix neocam through all of the fights, including the boss fight. It was hilarious. Like we took, I don't know, almost 10 minutes beating the boss just because it was so slow why is that i don't know they must have like i don't know some calculation error whenever like the enemy wants to attack for some reason it took it like for forever to math out the attacks and whatnot i don't know it's just it was just it was hilarious <laughs> like people were just like oh my god you're suddenly like in the matrix and you know dodging bullets and bullet type it was i don't know it was the one of the oddest bugs I've ever seen in a video game. It was it was glorious. Um, <laughs> so yeah, maybe don't go into the, the the new hazardous ruins just yet. I don't. Yeah, wait for a hot fix. Maybe there was already an update, but I, it didn't fix that. But yeah, that was no, it was hilarious. Um, but it's more Sandrock. It's a fantastic life sim game. Um, obviously early access. Um, tons of quality of life updates compared to Porsche. But if you want to play, um, you know, if you want to play a Finnish game by them, uh, big shout outs. My time at Porsche is finished. It's fantastic. 
Um, Sandrock is a bit better just because there's like, you know, it's their second game. So it's like in that series. So it's more polished, right? But um, Porsche is pretty fantastic and it's like super mega discounted right now as well. So if you wanted to check that out, um, re can recommend like both games wholeheartedly. And I'm going to be playing more on Monday because I am not finished with that new content. I played an entire eight hour stream of it. And I don't think I've even gotten to the meat of the story update yet. They're there. Updates are always really chunky, which is great. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Have you... Neither of you have played either Porsche or Sandrock, right? No, no. these games completely went over my head. Porsche just mm. looked terrifying graphically to me, and this just, <laughs> I don't know, doesn't look super interesting to me. I Yeah, no, I, I want to play them. I just haven't... It's like a time commitment thing. I... <laughs> Mm, yeah, it is. It is a time commitment thing. Yeah, I remember Bellator putting like 120 hours into my time at Porsche and just being like, oh my same. god, this game keeps going. Yeah, it's the same. I, I put over 50 hours into the early access launch version of Sandrock. But then the thing is, Jess, I don't want to I don't want to say I don't want to be like that person, but I'm going to be that person a little bit. You felt the same way about Dinkum. <laughs> yeah, so Sandrock, I, I think you would also really enjoy Sandrock, especially because it's not just monotonous farming. It's, you know, you've got building and crafting in it as well. Yeah, I think I would like it. It's just like, first off, I think I would have to stream it in order to get through it. Mm. But at the same time, yeah. I feel like life sims don't do great on my channel. Mm, yeah, fair enough. Maybe I'm just not good at them or something. <laughs> but I feel like that's a... Oops, sorry. What were you saying? I was just going to say, I feel like that's a game to wait for 1.0 and stream it then. Yeah, maybe. But. Also also an option for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because sometimes stuff bugs out and whatnot, and um, sometimes stuff gets changed and whatnot. So there's there's always a risk if you run a safer from um, one, from early access to 1.0, that stuff. Like, for example, my, for, my, my first Porsche save file, broke a teeny tiny bit in that I was in a relationship and I had the whole do you want to try for a child thing and then the child just never popped up <laughs> like, just ever. like real life <laughs> yeah 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 pretty much so like that for example broke for me so I never actually had a child in Porsche not that it's a big deal I finished all the story content like the stuff that's important but um yeah that was implying that so, kids so... aren't important I like it <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, let's not go there. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not go there. <laughs> Honestly, like, um, one of my things about, like, life sims is they just end up feeling weird and creepy to me. It's all just like, I'm going to have a baby. I'm getting married. It's like, I don't, this is not why I'm playing video games. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I mean, to be fair, you don't have to do it. Sure, but like, still, there's it's nothing like... In the I, it's part of the game, yeah, yeah. I'd much rather play Dead Space and blow up, like, demons than go through actual real-life horror. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I don't know. One of the best um, funs I've... Uh, best funs? Multiple best funs. funs. Yes. Um, best funs. Plural funs. <laughs> uh, was with Dragon Age Origins and just doing the whole, like, jumping from partner to partner thing. You don't know how many times I played that over to, like, <laughs> experience every single relationship cutscene or like moment you could and then also all the jealousy moments sure but polygamy in video games is just like polygamy in real life if everybody's okay with it it's all fun and games this the terrifying part is getting married and having kids 
<laughs> well, I mean, depending on the the outcome, you know, like you could do something. I don't think you could have kids in Dragon Age, but I think you could get married. I don't think you could have kids in Mass Effect. I'm like ninety nine percent certain that's not a thing. No, I'm, yeah, no, I don't think so. But I definitely did the same thing in Mass Effect too. <laughs> but um i'm gonna t take a moment to talk about a game where you can't date anybody instead just turn them all into red mist <laughs> so I I, I I played the very and this is this is a game that's been in development for like eight months and this is probably going to be in development for a while so this is a very 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 early game but i played and also recorded an interview which uh, is gonna go up on my youtube channel in the next couple weeks because i'm busy uh but i played a game called path of acra um, which is a traditional roguelike. Uh, it's free. It's on itch. Um, it's the developer's first game. They're developing it in the Godot engine, um, which is kind of neat to see a, a roguelike in that engine. I, have, I haven't actually encountered one yet. Um, it's very much uh, my my kind of thing. Uh, for just for everybody's sake, I'm gonna post. There there will be a link in this podcast somewhere, but uh, I'm gonna link it down be in 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 our little private chat here, so you two can take a look at it. Um, it's it, it looks like old school Ultima. Um, it's all like pixel art, very simple sprites. But I think that it, it kind of visually has a really nice style to it. Like it, it, it reminds me of old DOS games, but it has more animations than old DOS games had. It has a lot more pixels and colors than old DOS games had. And I think the art's actually really nice. Mechanically, it's it's a interesting little game. It's a single screen, uh, turn-based, like tile-based game uh, with randomly generated layouts and enemy positioning. And it's all about creating an extremely overpowered character. So you are very much going to be fighting massive hordes of enemies. And it's the entire game is just basically a power fantasy about making the most OP legendary god warrior of all time. Um, there's a variety of different um, uh, effects and a lot of different abilities you have to choose from. Um, there's no like skill requirements behind abilities. So it's just like, okay, do I want my... Uh, prayers to summon uh, minions. Uh, if yes, then add this this spell. Okay, what kind of effect do I want these minions to be? Do I want them to be like uh, sludge minions and spread acid everywhere? Do I want them to be poison and poison units? Do I want them to be like arcane and do arcane damage? Or do I just want to like go all the way down the wacky thing with big sticks tree? Um, and there, there's a bunch of different classes, a bunch of different uh, races and a bunch of different religions which change what your prayers do, which are kind of like a built-in power that each character has um i'm gonna say a lot of words that are gonna make no sense to most people but might make some sense to some people which is it feels very heavily inspired by dungeon crawled the stone soup in a lot of ways like you can kind of feel that that sort of um progression to it especially in the movement and the way the strategy feels um it's a lot of dodging between little walls and trying to funnel dudes um in a way so that you're not going to get swarmed because when you get swarmed you're basically dead um it's a lot of meter management and trying to big brain out a galaxy brain build so that you can just combo everything to death it's got a lot of really fun on hit effects uh you know like you'll be chaining lightning between a dozen things and then realizing why your minions are, your minions are all dying because they're all susceptible 
susceptible to um, lightning and you just picked up a chain lightning ability that's not only arcing off of you, but your minions and the enemies and then everything's dead. It's great. I, I, <laughs> I had quite a bit of fun with it. Uh, it's still very early. Like it's 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 mechanically dense, but strategically not that dense just due to it lacking features. But uh, the developer uh, for a while there was updating it daily and is now updating it weekly because he says that it got a little bit too nuts and people weren't even reali- like not having enough time to patch the game in between runs. So um, he's uh, slowed down a little bit with the uh, update cycle and is now doing slightly larger patches once a week. So it's a neat thing to follow. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing it as it progresses. Um, it's cool that Sounds you mentioned like a rogue. Did you say it was a like or a light? Like. Like. It's interesting hearing you say that that's the f- you said it was the first one you've played developed in Godot. Yeah, it's it's the first one that I've seen that runs in Godot that I know of. Yeah. That's interesting. For for my own reasons. <laughs> to to explain, um Solentre is learning Godot and has been um experimenting with rogue rogue like light stuff and so I will definitely point him towards this game. I mean, it's very much in like, you know, the traditional kind of direction of like the old school kind of thing, but like I'm just really happy to see a game like this that isn't running in Game Maker because people keep making them in Game Maker and Game Maker's terrible for this kind of thing. Game Maker's proc gen is awful. So but yeah, that's that's what I was that's the one new thing that I messed around with this week. Aside from that, it was just Jupiter Hell and More Dwarf Fortress, which is remains great. <laughs> also Cheese Runner, so it's just it's been more of the same for me this week. Nice. Sometimes you need those weeks where you just play, you know, comfy games. Like, for you personally, comfy games. They're not necessarily comfy, but they're, like, you're in your comfort zone. Yeah. No, absolutely. Right? Yeah, sometimes. Just play the things yeah. you're used to. Dwarf Fortress is extremely comfy when you're good at it. Yeah. No, absolutely. I can I can totally see that. Jess, do you want to pick a game from your list and talk to us about it? Sure. Um, I could talk about a game that I didn't play this week, but I finished somewhat recently, which actually was my comfy game in the sense that it was refreshing for me, but that is Cult of the Lamb, which I might... I think I talked about it with Drongo a couple weeks ago. At the time, I had just started, and I was... I have I have a lot to say. I'll preface it with... <laughs> I'll have a lot to say. The The good stuff, which we talked about last time, is quirky. It has really good tunes. Like, the music's great. The Twitch integration is engaging for both the streamer and for chat because chat can design their characters they can feel involved in the story and they can actually influence some smaller gameplay decisions um early game was a great mashup of management and dungeon crawling it made the game feel fast-paced if you got bored there was always something else to do and on top of that there were a lot of currencies and so there were lots of things to work towards and lots of goals that you could set until late game, <laughs> which I, I want to talk about. Um, late game was sort of weird for this one. Whereas it started off strong, it just kind of petered off a little bit. Upgrade options quickly dwindled. There were no more like cult buildings or decor to unlock. So your cult member prayers, which was a big deal early on, just become completely useless and convert to money. You have no more abilities to unlock, so your sermons become useless and you get more money. 
So you end up with a late game economy that's just overflowing in money and resources because there are no more bottlenecks. You can build anything you want. And certain, certain buildings just only add to that. So you just have this bounty of resources and money. And so it just I felt weird. And because of this, the dungeon crawling gets really easy too because you have more upgrade options for your character, for your curses, and for your weapons. You have more tarot cards available to purchase and to use. And all of these things change how your run goes, but they don't really get uh, harder. They kind of get easier. And so as a result, you end up with an early game. That's a fun management challenge, but late game feels really empty and lacking that challenge. And the ending was odd, and this is kind of spoiler territory. I will I will venture into spoiler territory, but I'm warning you now. Spoiler territory. <laughs> uh, the gameplay narrative didn't really mesh with the core gameplay mechanics. So you're going to hate when I say this blind, but the quote-unquote roguelite element was neat throughout the story because if you died, you get revived by like the one who waits, the the the, the being you know, that brings you back to life, you're running the cult in their name. So there's a story element as to why you get stronger between runs and deaths. However, like at the very end, you, I, I'm trying to talk about this without totally spoiling it, but you, you are allowed to die and have multiple attempts with the, the final piece of the game, even though it's a trial against the very being who gave you that power. And so like, it just... My brain, it irks, it irks me. <laughs> I think it could be explained with like maybe more more lore, but like it really, really, really bugged me. Um, so I, it got it got like a ton of of praise early on, and so I just really wanted to talk about some of the end game stuff. You know, like I some of that economy needs balancing. Players need a bit more challenge towards the end. The build tool was. A nightmare. That thing really needs to be working. <laughs> uh, you can only move objects one by one. So if you are trying to move a farm, you have to move like all the little dirt plots one by one. It takes like 10 minutes. You can't rotate oh, your God. camera. So like you can't see things happening behind other buildings. And there's so much cool decor, but like there's, there's so little space. You end up feeling all like cramped and cluttered. And... On top of all of that, there's the accessibility problems, which I know FG can <laughs> can talk about. Yep. I the, just I, I, can I just interject for a second and just yeah. say my biggest problem with people tacking roguelite onto everything <laughs> is roguelikes are not supposed to be games that get easier over time. They're games that optimally get harder over time. And if there is any progression, it should be to make the game more complex and more difficult. It drives me fucking bonkers that modern game design is just like as you play it the game becomes less fun e and easier and often boring and that it just irks the hell out of me it's it's like it's the exact opposite design intention that the genre naming scheme was intended for but go on <laughs> um <laughs> um um yep i know what i was saying <laughs> you were talking about accessibility oh yeah so the head bobbing was a really big nope. It was manageable during normal movement, but there were some points in the game where, like, if your lamb is carrying bodies or using tools, like, 
It was it was very bad. Like I couldn't look at the screen while it was happening. And the dungeons were also really, really awful with color palettes and choices. Like each area had a theme and the art leaned into it, which was cool until you're in a boss battle and everything's red. Like the smaller ads are red. The boss is telegraphing its movement patterns and those are red. The floor is red. The mana that you can collect to cast your curses is also red. <laughs> When you die, it's also red. Yeah, and so like I'm, I don't have any issues with like seeing colors. Like I, I'm not, I don't, I don't have any color blindness. But like it was really hard sometimes, and so like I can't imagine somebody like who actually needs color blindness accommodation, like even being able to play some of those parts, because there was also like yeah. blue, like blue dungeons. Yeah, red on red on red sounds like an awful idea. Yeah. Like extra, extra, read all about it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. Um. I. It, it. This is one of those games. I think that I really would have wanted to play. I probably will never actually. Uh. Will I assume? Um. Depending on when and if and not what, like accessibility options come. I don't know. Um. I wouldn't it's now expect been, like, it at this point. It's been out for three weeks at this point. No, they did say, because I, I, I did email back and forth with, I, I both Kiri and I emailed back and forth with one of the devs, mm. and they did say it's going to come after launch, but I guess it's not going to be, like, anytime soon. Cult it's going to be, like, oh, sorry. several months from now. No, all good. Cult of the Go Lamb seems to be a very strange release to me, just because, like, on all of the ideas that it seems to have seem extremely smart right it seems like a really 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 well-baked idea mm. yep but a lot of the execution of those ideas and presentation of those ideas seems flawed by default to the point where i'm kind of shocked it's the route they took i i don't know it it kind of yeah it's i mean a the, bit of a head biggest, scratcher for me the biggest example i have of that is like i was saying the building tool it's such a cool idea then like, why? Why is it like this? And well, like, similar building mechanics are better implemented in other examples of run-based games. I mean, like, Loop Hero, just as an example, has that whole town-building side, which is really well implemented as much as I didn't like that game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, I don't know. It, it's neat. Like, it was neat to be able to do, but then it was... It, so what it feels like to me was... Like, they had all these ideas, and then they just had to like move on and get the game finished like it, mm. it's there and it was meant to be something else but then they had to basically like cut corners on it is how it felt so i'm wondering if it was like a a pressure a time pressure it could have been like also covid and work from home stuff as well slowing things down that's true Not necessarily just time pressure but yeah, I don't know. It um That was my seems my mixed. big ramble that I had to say. I mentioned like last week yeah. I have a lot to say about this game. <laughs> I I'm still just so heck and sad that they decided with like such terrible like consumer unfriendly like motion like like just just the way uh, yeah, the, the the how triggering it is for simulation sickness like I mean, I, I understand putting, like, I get it. Putting in smooth cam, smooth cam looks nicer. It just does. I get it. But 
why the wobble when you use a tool? Like, why does it have to wobble back and forth mm. when you harvest the resource? Like, I, I, I can see, like, wobble camera for something like Stalker if they're trying to make it into, like, almost a milsim. But, like, in, 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 a, in a 2D game, largely, in I, I mean, 2D? It's, it's, three, it's like a 2D, 3D thing. It's like Paper Mario, right? Top-down like, game? Come on. Yeah. I, I mean, it has basically, like, that's, that's, like, the worst. When you have a top-down 2D game that then decides to put in, like, breathing motions. It's like... I'm hovering. The camera is hovering over my character. Why? <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know. I mean, or at least give us. Because the thing is, like, you have to code all these things, right? Like, a game camera is not going to do that by itself. When you have a game camera in a game, it's basically going to be just a camera just floats above, right? And then you have to code that it wobbles with the camera. Uh, with a with a cat with character, you, you have to code in that it moves back and forth. You have to code in that it zooms out if the room gets bigger and zooms in if the room is smaller and all that sort of stuff. Have all of that in, but just give us the option to turn it off. That's all I'm asking. Like, just give us the option to turn it off, please, please. That's yeah. You'll you'll make it like yeah. <laughs> you just it's just you know inclusive. Be inclusive. When you make yeah. games. I mean, Please. like, I'll, I'll use this as an example. Like, Jupiter Hell has the smooth cam, right? But they right. also have the option to lock the camera sharply to the character. And it's almost jarring watching the character move because, like, you know, it's, he moves from tile to tile pretty quickly. But it does make the game playable, playable. for a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's right down to the point where, like, they added mouse control because people kept asking them to add mouse control even though it doesn't play well with a mouse but you can play it with a mouse now like it's sometimes a good idea yeah. to sacrifice a developer's vision a little bit just so that more people can play it yeah just a little bit like i i get it you have a thing but like if 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 your vision actively include um excludes player from playing your game and your only response to that is that's not this is not what the cult of the lamb dev have said. I this this have been other other developers that have said that. Um, literally, the, their only response is tough luck. That that's not a mm. good that's not a good picture. And I have called out those devs on my stream before, and I will not touch one of their games ever again because that is not how you interact with people. <laughs> I, yeah. I think there will and, be know. multiple opportunities for this in this episode, but FG, now is a good time to shout out your curator. Yes. Um, so Kudakiri and I, we both run a uh, Steam curator together because we both suffer from simulation sickness to different degrees. Um, and we have a Steam curator. Uh, we can also, we can totally link it uh, in here as well, but uh, we have the simulation sickness checker, basically, where we rate the games that we play and uh yeah if you if you suffer from anything like you know when motion blur makes you dizzy when um smooth camera makes you dizzy or head bob gets you or screen shake or anything like that make sure to follow that curator because we we check the games that we play for those things and if you miss anything let us know as well that's also really important if there's something that's really triggering for you and we don't mention it anywhere uh go and uh, tell us about it either like I don't know on Twitter or you know via discord or something like that yeah I mean just to 
go back to what you were saying about the developer vision, I, I'm firmly in camp. If your vision makes games, makes your game not fun, it does, there's not a lot of funds, you know, available for everyone, mm. then, like, that's a vision that needs to make some sacrifices. Because I'm like, yes, what's the point? Your product is, it, it's not fun. Or like if it literally makes people sick. Like, as you said, you couldn't look at the screen because it made you feel, like, dizzy. Like, I should not have to force myself through being sick to play your game. Mm. Like, that's not that's not a good look. <laughs> I, I played through the whole game, and I think every single stream I made a point to talk about accessibility every single day multiple times. <laughs> Like nice. talking yeah, about yeah. color, the color problems and, and the camera issues, just like, like, we, we need awareness about this. We need to be able to turn this off. Yes. Yes. Indeed. I, I do have a question, though, when it comes to accessibility. What if it's intentional inaccessibility? Just as an example, um, Cruelty Squad is a game that is intentionally inaccessible because it's designed that way as an art piece. Well... It, that's that is difficult literally because the developers just like this to get this game is designed to make you feel sick fuck you that's literally like what the dev has said on twitter it's like that is his that's the whole point of the game is it's supposed to be i mean if to play for everybody if, if if they want that to be that's fine i mean if they if they if they tell me that beforehand right that's a bit of a different thing um, but then I will make the choice, the personal choice myself to not ever play that game. I mean, I would love uh, to play Cruelty Squad, and I know I can't. Like, l watching 10 seconds of footage makes me nauseous. But I respect the hell out of the fact that it exists because of what it is. Well, I mean, it's also I mean, a good tool to raise awareness in itself, you know? Like, if you give that to somebody and say, play this, do you find it enjoyable? No, why not? Then, you know, that's something that people now know to look for. No, that's true. Also, it's a bit big, a bit different if you label something as I made this as an art statement, but it's also a game that you can play rather than this is a game. You know, there, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a different intention behind it because that's more like a, it's not quite performance art, but it's like a like an art piece that people can interact with. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure if either of you point. are familiar yeah. with Cruelty Squad at all, but like, it's it's designed by a um, rather well-known modern artist who makes grotesque internet mm. art. Um, yeah, then that, that that so it's more art than yeah, a game, but it's a, it's a it it kind of blew up as it finished early access and now has like I think it's eight thousand overwhelmingly positive reviews on Steam, and the dev just is still kind of perplexed. He's like, why did so many people buy this stupid thing I made? <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't understand why you all like this game, but thanks. <laughs> Unintentional game dev. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, it's 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 like a post-capitalism political statement art piece. It's it's, mm. but also runs nice. in the Quake engine, which is kind of hilarious. Wow, that is wow, that is last from the past. Yep. Well then, yeah. But yeah, no. I, 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 the nice thing about playing games that are that have problems like this is it is an opportunity, especially if they're like popular. Is it's an opportunity to kind of point a finger at it and be like, and raise awareness. Yeah, exactly. This is something that you know could be done better. Could be done better. Yep. Uh, yep. I, 
made a point out of it. And I was like, I think I'm just sounding like a broken record every stream. But, like, y'all need to know about this. <laughs> yep. Maybe yep. some developers in chat will, will hear and make different decisions. No, absolutely. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I have some people in my community that are game devs, and they're like, I never thought about this before, but... Mm. Mm. Yeah. You know what I never thought about before? Orcs, which is a game that's on FG's list of games to talk about. What is this game? Yes. Orcs with an X. O-R-X. So, O-R-X, yes. Uh, because I guess spelling it O-R-C-S or, or O-R-K-S is, is not cool enough. Um, so Orcs is a game that came out this week in early access it's i i want to say it's a single dev game i'm not 100 sure um but it's basically it's a tower defense game but as a deck builder so um there are different factions and your goal is to defend uh waves of orcs that are attacking your settlement um the first faction i've forgotten their name but basically the way you play it is you have a steady income uh, every sec. I think it's every 1.4 seconds you get a coin because cards cost coins. You have a hand by playing, you unlock more cards. Um, that's the only upgrade store that you get. Um, so it's a run, it's it's a campaign based playthrough, and then you start over from scratch. And the only thing that you do is you unlock more cards, so you have a more diverse playstyle. There's nothing like leveling up cards between runs or anything like that. And um, so you get coins. You can place at the first section. You can place road cards, castle cards, or um, villages, or, or rather road end cards. And um, you build roads and build uh, play road end cards to generate income above the one gold per one point four seconds, uh, because you need to get generate income so you can place all of your. Um, you know, the castle cards, because you need a castle, because otherwise, if you don't have a castle, you have a zero defense, and then the orcs will just win, and they will just take over your town, and you lost. you've lost. And um, it's, uh, it's a really cool mix. And I say that as somebody who doesn't really like card games all that much, but it's because you need to spend your cards to, to build your little settlement up. And then um, there, there is... Um, um, the way you do it is like, as I said, you built, you built the, you have different parts of a castle and you need to like close the wall and then you generate a castle and then you can either make the castle bigger, which means it gets more HP, it does more damage, or you can make like tons of little castles and then you make like long roads and then put uh, villages at the end of the roads to generate money and then you get cards that can sometimes refresh the roads and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's, it's mechanically really well thought out, especially because the second faction plays completely different. The second faction does not build any castles. Um, it's like a nomad style based one instead. So in, what instead, instead of castles, you build um, housing estates within a within the range of the military camp to generate loads and loads of military units that you place all over the map. And those defend you rather than the castle. So it's like really diverse play style. It's really cool. I really enjoyed it. The art is really awesome. Um, it was... For me personally, one of those games that was really hard to play while streaming because stuff constantly happened. So I got like super focused on the game and like couldn't pay attention to chat that much. But the like the 
idea behind this is really, really cool and um, is really fun to play. Um, and the cat does not agree with me, apparently. <laughs> or agrees. I can't fully hear him. Or, or that. Yeah, yeah, or that. But no, it's, it's a really cool idea. Um, it mixes two genres that I haven't really seen mixed that way much. Um, you know, because you have the cards and you have to build your deck. Because between um, maps, you get certain events like, oh, you meet like... I don't know. I met the I met the lady of the lake, and she's like, "Doesn't let you pass." <laughs> and the only way you can can let her pass is either you can you can tell her to f off, um, which like raises corruption, which makes the orcs stronger. But the higher you raise your corruption, the better the cards you get in the shops between the maps. Or you can sacrifice a card to her, and that makes like corruption go down. So there's like a lot of different systems at play um, that are really well thought out. This um, kind of reminds me of, I think, Ratopolis. I don't know if you ever played that, but... Yeah, a little Just a, a little bit. But the maps are far shorter. Okay. So far. Like, yeah, yeah, it's far shorter. And your deck is a lot um, smaller in a way. Um, so far, at least, because it's still early access. Um, uh, yeah, it's good. Um managed to break it once my boss backed out and we had like unlimited wa waves while the quote-unquote boss fight was still going on so that was fun nice uh, but a, but a quick reload fixed that and then we actually won the map so it didn't actually break the game so that was good no but i, I enjoyed it um just not necessarily a stream game for me but a fun game to play and I'll definitely revisit it when it comes out like in full release i know kiri also played it did you not also play it just like I as did. a demo because it yeah, I, I did. My alarm is going off. <laughs> Couldn't find my phone. <laughs> um, I was going to say I played the demo and I really, 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 really liked it. I thought that mm. the, <laughs> the mechanic of um, like playing your castle cards and then actually having to build the castle mm. like on the board was really cool. And just all in all, like I'm, I'm super hyped for it. I was kind of disappointed that I, I wasn't in the, the cool kid crew <laughs> that got sponsored to play it. <laughs> oh, I didn't get sponsored to play it either. I was also not cool enough, so we can both be sad together. <laughs> like with, I just... with how much I liked it, I would have been like over the moon to have been like, yeah, mm. I'm sponsored to play this. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, gotcha. I, I had a little bit of an issue, and I wonder if you had the same issue with the, with the, ca with the faction that can do the castles to sometimes see whether or not like my wall was closed and where the open opening and, and close like I don't know I had a oh yeah yeah I know exactly what you talk exactly what you are talking about like when yeah when you would play the castle a certain direction and it seemed like it should be closed and like complete your building but then it didn't yeah 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 exactly yeah I had that problem I was hoping that they the... would fix that <laughs> no no the art style the art style is um really gorgeous but a bit too busy sometimes in certain sections that make it hard to spot like the important details like is your wall closed or not also um this is something that i need to that that i do actually need to know it because i'm not the only one um the game does not have a v-sync option and it has atrocious terribly screen tearing like i had to force v-sync on with um the nvidia panel because otherwise it was it was bad oh really really bad yeah <laughs> It was it was real bad, but they're aware and they're apparently adding a 
a V-Sync button sooner rather than later, which is good because it def definitely uh, does need it. Um, but the, the gameplay is fun. I'll probably play it on my own again. Um, because the, so the thing is like you, it's not turn-based, right? It's real time because the 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 timer, the the coin timer ticks every one point whatever seconds. So yes, you can pause it, but the majority of the gameplay you'll just kind of have to have it run because you need to generate money. And I found it very distracting from like it made it hard for me to pay attention to chat. But that may have also been because it was a scatter potentially because it, I had a scatter brain day. Uh, nope, just any game that you can't pause is <laughs> instantly distracting. Yeah, that too, that too. At least in my experience, if I can't pause it, I'm distracted. Yeah, I, I will I will not say yet what I'm what I was on my brain because I don't I I I have to wait till next week before I have my appointment, but yeah, yeah, I think I struggle because of it because of the same re with that because of the same reason <laughs> that you would struggle with it. <laughs> It's, it's hard not but, to be like, oh, really? Tell me more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's like sounds like super super cryptic, but uh, yeah. Anyways, but no, it's it's a cool game. Like I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it is, and I'll definitely play it. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. I I enjoyed it. It's it doesn't have that much content. Like you, so yeah, it has the two factions. The first faction has only one act in the campaign. You can unlock 30 cards for their deck. The second faction has two campaigns in there to, uh, to do. And I think you can also unlock 30 cards. And that's like the only thing right now that you can do. So like basically you're the, right now it kind of finishes once you beat the game. I mean, yes, you can go back and unlock all the cards because you have to like actually like draw the card to be able to like to unlock it. Like you don't just unlock cards best based on score. Um... So yeah, it, it does have a it it does ha doesn't have quite that much content because it is early access, but yeah, it's it's a cool idea. I have a question: Is there yeah. any point where you're going back and like selecting which cards to be in your deck, or is it just once a card's unlocked, it's in your deck and that's it? Um, I I you don't select you you get a base amount of cards and then you can get more cards while playing and you can remove some cards while playing from your deck but uh as far as i could tell when you start a run you can't be like pick and choose okay because for, for me where card games lose me usually is when there's a screen where it's like these are all of the cards you have unlocked now pick 10 mm. that's that's where i'm at a point where i'm like nope i'm out <laughs> um but i uh, I've, I've, i have to admit maybe. i didn't I didn't restart a run after beating it, but uh, when I started a new game, it just threw me right into the map and I couldn't select any cards at all. And I definitely had more than like what, what you get dealt with with your first hand. So I don't think you can choose, but I'm, I don't know for sure because I didn't ever go back and try. That's a cool idea. No, it's a, it's a, yeah, no, if you like card battlers or tower defense games, definitely keep an eye on that one. I like both. Same. Well, deck builder, uh, deck builders, man, but tower defense is cool. That's why I played it because tower defense is cool. <laughs> All right, um, FG. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about backfire wall, and then we can do the farthest frontier block. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. So, um, Backfire Wall is actually a demo 
um, and I was sponsored to play it. Um, but this was one of those games that we saw at Not E3 this summer. It's that game you may have if you you may have seen the trailer for it where um, so it takes place inside a smartphone. Uh, and you are the updater for the smartphone, but uh, the OS refuses to be updated. And uh, you don't listen to it, and you start the update, and then, like, at 98% of update complete, you then start to get deleted. And then the OS says, oh, I put a backdoor in it, so we both don't get deleted, because... You know, did you know if you finish the upgrade process, you cease to exist? And then it turns into this um, really cool, uh, very laden with programmer humor um, uh, puzzle game. So you have to complete puzzles to get out of the room and that sort of stuff. And it's just really cool. So the demo is free to play for everybody. I don't know. I think it's still available to the 5th of September uh, September for people to play. Um if they want to themselves you only get the first room but like it's just it's just really full of programmer humor and um like there's some stuff because you're inside of a smartphone you can so you can see like the user the user's voice like communications log and all that sort of stuff but uh it's just a really cool um it's just a really cool puzzle game with like wacky humor and like fun humor so sort of like not as obscure or surreal as like Stanley Parable or something like that, but like you know, like th those kind of those kind of puzzly, escape roomy, wacky story type games. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, as I said, it's just a demo. It's out for everybody to play right now, and it was just something different. And I really actually enjoyed it. I'm going to play the the full the full game as well when that comes out. I think because it's a neat little puzzle game. Neat. All right, so farthest frontier. Where do we start? <laughs> well, it had an update. It did, <laughs> so, but which but broke death. the difficulty in my in my in my save, which made me sad. It didn't just break the difficulty. It it was actually really hilarious. I don't know if you encountered that, but it broke. Um, the update broke the maintenance and building durability. Oh, I didn't run into that. Oh yeah, no, it was great. So, what what happens is, sorry, Jess, I'm like super running away with this, but this was actually really hilarious. Um, <laughs> so they would the so builders in that game are supposed to build your stuff, but they're also supposed to maintain your buildings, right? And my builders would let buildings go down really, really low to like 19, 17 percent durability, and then and then they would go and repair it. But instead of repairing it to 100 percent, what happened is they would repair it somehow because they somehow got their code completely messed, messed up. They would repair it to 200% minus whatever percent it was at. So I would have buildings with like 180 durability, like percent durability all cool. of a sudden. And it was like, what? You've got reinforced <laughs> unobtainium walls. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was hilarious when I last played. I haven't, I, I don't know if they have since done a hotfix to that particular patch, but... Yeah, that was that was hilarious. So the the, um, the bug that I encountered was I I had a, a previous I and mean, obviously they, these are like loading old saves into a new version of the game and they recommend starting a new save file, but you know whatever. Yeah. Uh, so this is our own fault. But the the issue that I had was uh, my I had a pacifist save, so I had all combat disabled, 
And I started, mm. and I, it was quite funny because I was just like, yeah, no, so this is my pacifist save. Like, there's supposed to be no combat. You know, I'm streaming, right? And then it's just like a wildlife attacked you followed by immediate raid of 16 dudes. It was like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely. Pretty funny. I, I adjusted pretty quick. We built some military stuff. It was fine. I had lots of money, but it was like, it was very funny. But, this uh, is my pacifist think... safe, and here's my here's my giant Gatling gun. All right, let's go. Yeah, we need a minigun <laughs> turret. Um, so Jess, th this is technically your game on for for the week, and I know that you played a bunch of this this week. So, uh, well, anything you wanted to talk about specifically aside from being venting our woes? Well, so we've talked about it before, right? I don't think do I need to like break it down? We can skip that part. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we talked for like a solid hour about it, I think. Farthest Frontier Fancast episode two, go. Fancast yes. episode two, yeah, I actually really liked it. I am very much looking forward to like updates and where this game goes. I thought it was really cool how um the the environment. I thought the environment was really cool. I liked how the buildings like crop up and then they upgrade themselves and the roads all look organic. It's similar in the way of um, 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 foundation, how foundation actually makes roads as you play. I act, I think that this game would benefit so much from that. Like if your your uh, little peoples are walking through the grass, like to start making paths. But I was just like having so much fun with the roads. They were spaghetti, and <laughs> I I thought it was awesome. I also I love that really. If you, put two, if you put two roads next together, like side by side, they kind of can join a little bit, make a wider road. I don't know if you've done that, but no, I, I didn't try that. There was just all sorts of cool things you could do, and so I, I hope they sort of add in um, paths that get made on their own when villagers yeah. walk through. Yeah, I, I, w I would love to, like, that's actually one of my favorite Dwarf Fortress features is if, like, a really big army walks through a field, there will be, like, noticeable spots where there's, like, sand because they trampled all of the, the plant life along the way. It's one huh. of my favorite features about, like, games like that and Foundation that do the procedural pathways. Yeah, Desire Paths would be really, really cool. I think that that would just make the game feel even more alive. Yeah, because, like, well, yeah. Farthest Frontier is beautiful to look at, right? And, like... The one problem with that beautiful yeah. foliage is it's, it's pretty static. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's so much about it that's just, like, really interesting and sort of alive. Like, I... It took me a minute to wrap my head around, but the, the way that it sort of has a deeper simulation of farming systems and also, like, the more primitive societal, uh, like, statuses and relationships was kind of cool. Like having to think about crop rotation and soil and plant fertilities and weeds and grow season and hot and cold. That was cool. And then also like all the diseases that you could get. You could, you can get parasitic infections because you have no shoes or broken bones, hypothermia and all that was just, and rats. I, I, so many rats. I know. Yeah. I had problems just, with rats. I did. <laughs> I, I played on easy and... I was having issues with rats and and diseases, and so I can only imagine how bad it would have been on not easy. Mm -hmm. Just I, disease everywhere. I, I, I do feel that Farthest Frontier shines better when you turn the difficulty down, at least right now, because like you know, it is you know, it's still very unfinished, and like the combat's kind of not the greatest at this point in time, and like 
I feel like it needs more balance roles, but like mm. on easy right now, it's just such a lovely little city builder. I love playing it on like on peaceful mode. I love it. I wish I wish on peaceful mode you could have still the hostile animals. You could just turn off raids. Um but it's just re it's just really nice to play on that as well. I really really enjoyed it and I I'm looking forward eagerly to, you know, whenever we get a next content update and Me too. Diving back in and my my biggest uh lull moment with it actually had to do with combat and we I got I got a really big raid and I didn't see that the raiders were there until they were there and they infiltrated my um uh, trading post and stole all of my money like all of it and i was just like oh no we got it we gotta catch those guys and what's really funny is your villagers and the raiders all run at the same pace <laughs> so i, mm, I set yeah. my entire town chasing after them and it was just like a half map wide line of little <laughs> people just like running towards the edge of the map and it was just hilarious <laughs> That sounds amazing. <laughs> and so if you if you tell them to attack, they stop and they do their little attack animation, but the raiders keep running, so they end up a few cells ahead. And I was like, this is this is terrible. I'm turning off I'm I'm turning off raiders. <laughs> I still think it's hilarious that like a human can outrun a wolf. Or a bear. Yeah, that is Or a bear. Yeah. yeah. Or any, or a wild boar, yeah. or anything. Like, they just run at the exact same speed. It's like, all right, hold on, I gotta kite a wolf into the bay. Okay, kited the wolf into the city. Everybody get him! Everybody just, like, pounces yeah. on the wolf. But That's exactly how I've dealt with that as well. Something else that I found is kind of funny, especially with the wolf AI, is they will only walk into your city via a gate if you have a wall. Even if there's a hole in the wall that's more convenient. Huh. So like I had like ho like scattered holes throughout the edges of my walls, and I'd run the peep the person through the wall, and the the wolf would take like this really long detour back down to where the road was to run in via the gate. Which really <laughs> Very polite wolf. So just know, build gates everywhere. Stores, don't yeah. build walls, and then you're fine. <laughs> That's the actual That's like big brain strat for the game right now. Apparently so. Yeah. Apparently so. And it's the same with raiders. They, they, uh, unless they, it's too far with raiders, then they will just knock down the wall, which is, they're kind of like turkeys. You mm. know, if you, if they, if you have a wall they can see over, they'll keep walking in circles until they look and looking for a spot where they can step over it. Otherwise, they'll just fly over it if they can't see over it or through it. <laughs> which is very amusing because turkeys are not very smart. Yes. Just like the raiders in Farthest Frontier. Yeah. I just, I really liked it. But I, I don't think I'm gonna play it again until it gets a couple updates. Yeah, but I'm just I'm just so excited. Mm. It's like foundation. These are like games that are in my category of games. I'm super excited. Just I wish they would get updated faster. Category. Yeah. Yeah. Foundation's same. getting yeah, a really big patch soon, isn't it? I don't know. I, I kind of put it out of my mind for a while. Recently. Otherwise, I get impatient. I don't know. Yeah, fair. It's been it's been a hot minute. It's to say it's that it's it's foundation for me. It's um. Timberborn. Mm hmm. Um, this now. Kingdoms Reborn as well. That's I know been, Kiri like, hates it, but you guys should give Songs of Six Songs of Songs of Six a try. God, that game is so good. Yeah, I still need to play that. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. Songs of Six is incredible, and it has similar farming mechanics to um, 
Farthest Frontier, except in my opinion, they're cooler because the fields are literally bigger than your city in Farthest Frontier. <laughs> Those fields are so big. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. You can get like hundreds yeah. of people like building the thing and it has like heat maps of like where the heaviest tracked areas are and it does the procedural pathways and everything. It's it's super cool. That and then you'll have like 10,000 people cool, really yeah. quickly and then suddenly you're just like, Jesus, there's like, it's like watching an ant farm. <laughs> that game's neat. I, I played, I watched uh, Evil Trick play a, lot, play a whole bunch of that. Like, is it is it too soon to say back in the day? <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's like a year been, ago, like... two years ago. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. some time ago. I mean, I played like so, eighty hours. Sometime this, like a year and a, about a year ago now. Yeah, sometime this century, I think it was. Maybe even this decade. <laughs> yeah. Although it got a housing update and uh, a big update to its combat, because the combat in that game is literally just like Total War combat, which is super cool. Like it, it, You can do combat in your city and also outside of your city if you go out to meet the enemy army, and then they form up like in Total War, and you can mm. do like the big formation combat. Except you're fighting with like your actual city's citizens, so when they die, it's like, no! <laughs> <laughs> so it's cool neat game side tangent nice hopefully less buggy uh, in combat than total war but anyways <laughs> less buggy but less features mm, gotcha okay yeah because you know i'm still one I'm, guy making yeah. that game yeah i'm still a bit salty about my total war hammer safe which completely borked because the ui was uh, the ui the ai was trying to do something that it literally wasn't allowed to do and just it would hard crash on it on a turn every Yeesh. time. You're so good and, at that. Uh, breaking games. I'm 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 talented at that. Yeah. You and Bellinair should should yeah. run like a like we'll break your game and tell you how we did it. Yeah, yeah. We. I'm sure I, there's I, money in that I, somewhere. If, if I weren't a if I weren't a streamer, I would be a professional QA tester. I think because <laughs> like I lead. I break everything. Yeah, yeah. I break everything. <laughs> Well, speaking of breaking everything, we're going to take a break in this podcast and uh, go to news. And uh, when we when we come back, we're going to talk about the, the news in the industry from this week. We got some things about curators and a dev getting his game banned off Steam, or maybe the dev getting banned off Steam entirely, and people are buying stuff. It's it's a thing. Uh, we'll we'll be right back after this quick break. Hi, Arch from Arch Play Stuff here, and you're listening to the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. Honduras' number one gaming podcast. Back to the show. And we're back with the Halcyon Frequency podcast. I'm still blind, I'm still hosting, and I'm with FG and Wad Jess. And uh, we're, we're going to be talking about the news this week. So there, there was this Twitter thread um, from a developer known as, uh, I think it's Cowcat. Um, yeah, Cowcat, uh, developer of a little uh, point-and-click adventure game with uh, featuring cartoon animal people um, called Brock the Investigator. In Gator, Investigator, because he's an alligator. Um, but uh, it's a cute little adventure game, kind of like a, a whodunit mystery thing. Uh, popped up on Steam and had 100% positive reviews. And then suddenly, like this strange thing started happening, where all of these uh, Steam curators started leaving negative reviews for it. Um, and the developer posted a very long thread on Twitter, uh, which we can also link under this podcast, which essentially just talks about how the developer was extremely suspicious that the reason they were getting these negative reviews um, was because uh, the developer didn't send keys to a lot of people who requested keys for the game. 
And a lot of these keys are copy-pasted um, scam requests so that they, the keys can be resold on uh, various gr uh, gray market key resellers, if we can even call them gray market these days. Um, so essentially, the developer is pointing at these Steam curators. And like these aren't small curators. Like They've got like 20,000, 30,000 followers, a lot of them, um, that was accusing them essentially of being affiliated with scammers or even all being the same person and being affiliated with scammers. Yeah. Um, now, you might be like, well, that's not a bad thing, right? That there's curators leaving negative reviews on a game. The thing is, curators do weight the Steam algorithm, right? Like, maybe they're... It's a very poorly implemented feature for Steam, but they do absolutely weight the Steam algorithm, what gets shown on the front page, what shows up in people's recommended queue. Um, so anyway, they put out this... The, this developer put out this this kind of long thread, and people kept asking, like, well, what, what can we do? And they said, well, notify the press. Um, they got 5,000 likes and, like, 240 quote tweets on this and a lot of responses as well. Um, shortly after, PC Gamer and Kotaku both wrote articles about uh, this game, and um, it seems to have hit uh, Steam and Valve directly because um, it seems that uh, those cur uh, curators have since been removed from the platform. Yeah. Which is good because, you know, um, clearly they weren't... So so the, the thing is, like, what, what is, like, important to, to notice, like, all games that all of these curators had reviewed, they all put them as recommended like they were they they would have like 200 plus games re reviewed on their on their on their curator and then brock the investigator would be the only one where they voted not recommended which is like super suspicious right and um no it's it's 100 good that i think that they shut down those uh curators because they, they they don't add anything first of all because a lot of their reviews are just like super generic they're like that template where it's like graphics like uh so so beautiful i i can't believe it's not real good mediocre bad my grandma ugly can play it under difficulty yeah and that sort of stuff yeah like so it's like you know it's like they don't those those curators don't really even add anything and they're probably they probably didn't even didn't even play the games because you know they wanted the keys to resell them so they they probably yeah, copy pasted all of those reviews and just grabbed the keys, 10 keys. I don't know. Because if you, if you do that for, let's say, like 200, 300 indie games, you get, you know, you have 20 different curators. You get with all with their associated email. You get, let's say, maybe like 10 keys for each game. That's like 3,000 keys. If you resell them and if you're in a country where maybe, you know, a dollar goes a little bit further That's than just racket. in the U.S. That is, that is no, you can make a lot of money with that, right? So it's, especially because you would probably then get uh, the key that you would get because you're a Steam reviewer, you would not get a region lock key. They would probably just give you, you know, like a key that works everywhere, which is worth a lot of, a lot more money on those, you know, key reselling site because people don't have to worry about their key not working for them, right? Like, like you can't sell a key from, from I don't know, Turkey, for example, like to somebody in the US because it's not going to work for them. I guess so, the, the, the thing that really irks me about this is like anybody can make a Steam curator, right? And yes. you don't need to own a game on Steam to review it with the curator. Um, 
and there's absolutely no protections in place for abuse with this system. And, you know, like, Absolutely it's kind of not. a shame that Bellinair is not on this episode because Bellinair, like, is one of, like, the top 10 biggest curators on Steam. Um, and it, it, it kind of just makes me put it this and go, like, I really wish that there was more safeguards in place to stop this kind of crap from happening. Like, these were a lot of big, like, uh, according to the PC Gamer article um, by Morgan Park, uh, 20 curator pages with tens of thousands of followers vanished overnight. And it's like... Like the, these are not small, which means there's probably a lot no. more doing this exact same thing, yeah, but absolutely. with less eyeballs. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. In this, one hundred percent. Yeah, I. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, no, it's fine. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. What I was gonna say is, like, when I read a little bit more, the suspicious thing was that, like, all of the accounts had been created on on the same day, roughly. I think, like, one of them mm. was created a day later. They all had like, a certain ballpark of followers within, like, you know, plus or minus, like, a suspiciously similar amount. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. All extremely doctored, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, the curator program is a cool idea, but it's been around for a very long time, and, and Valve never took it any further. And, like, like for example, the whole, you, you don't need to own the, the game on the account that you're that you're doing the curator for like that is that is like that would be easily rectified make it so that you have to have a minimum playtime in the game to like maybe or make it even make it maybe make it so that um you can review a game if it's not like if it's on your account but it'll only get shown to people if said account has a minimum playtime of i don't know half an hour in the game or something like that right that the, the curator has i mean right like I, I just want more checks and balances in place to actually get a curator like i just I wish that there was some yeah. sort of like you either have to pay money or send in an application to make a curator or have some, I don't know, like even if it's something small, like have a thousand subscribers on a YouTube channel or a thousand followers on Twitch or like a website, like have some yeah, sort of. Yeah, but what of... if cheap curator is, is the thing that you want to do, like, and that's what you want to focus most of your thing on. Sure. And, and that, know, that's like... why they don't have those checks and balances in place because the people that yeah. they want doing this is just people that are in the steam community. Right. Not necessarily yeah, influencers exactly, in yeah. other places, but like it just leaves so many holes open for abuse that I think it's, it ju does, it's just yeah. a problem. Like I saw a curator a while ago that was just called uh, shit games. And it was literally just like, it's shit. It's shit. Negative review for all of them. And most of them are like anime games and like other and I saw it pop up a couple of times on like games that I'd played and was just like, man, this is just this, that's just stupid. Like that's it's not benefiting anybody. Yeah. Um so I, I, I don't know. Exactly. Like I, I think that when you just open something up to everybody, it becomes too easy to just destroy it. Although alternatively, another thing you could have is it maybe like require that you have a Steam group with five hundred members, right? Like there, there's other ways that they could do it that I think, or I even have like a minimum level on Steam or something. I like because they have yeah. an yeah, account yeah. leveling system. Like there's, there's other ways that they could put checks and balances in place to like stop this from happening just with the exact same accounts, system that they yeah, have. But yeah, like, yeah, just yeah, you yeah. can just go make a new Steam account with no games on it and start a group, and you're in the group, and that group has a curator now. It, it's not yep, hard. Yep. Like it it's takes ten easy. seconds to set yeah. one up. So I, mm, I don't know this. Yeah, I think to I, me I, this I is just I, an example of why the curator program needs a, a rework. I even think something as does, yeah. simple as requiring a minimum number of reviews. It, like, because then 
someone who isn't an influencer on other platforms, but they like to curate things, if you know, like just leave some reviews and then you're proving your role as a curator right there. Sure. Just or like have like X 10... number of awards on reviews yeah. or something, you know? Like Steam has yeah. all these weird systems now that like all of them could work towards something to make this thing better that hopefully would cause this to happen less. But you know, of, of course, if, if somebody wants to scam people, they will jump through those hoops regardless. Always but, find a way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But just make it require more effort than what it currently is. No, it's a pretty, I hate to say it, but like solid scam practice. And I'm glad that this got called out. Though it is also a little bit odd because, um, I mean, I guess uh, the problem is in that regard, if you are, if you run a curator and that's your main thing, you can't as a curator request keys to review on Steam through Steam directly, which is really silly. Like, I can't just go, like, there is no, there is no way to do that. Like, I can't be like, I'm a curator. I would really like to review a game because I, you know, and then they can send me a, a game through Steam. Why does that only get, not exist? Because that way it would be tied to the account and you would already not be able to resell it. Because the funny thing is, the other way works. Devs can send a curator a key to review, like upfront from their end, and just be like, hey, I have this game. Um, you know, you can do a review for it or not. Like, if you, if because if they send you a game, a code for a game through Steam Connect, it gets immediately added to your account if you accept it. And you never touch a Steam key. So you don't get a physical Steam key that you can put in anywhere. And um, it, it doesn't come with an obligation to review it uh, either. So you, you can accept the key, you can look at it, and then you don't have to review it. So why not just make it so that you can do it the other way around? And then devs can just stop giving out review keys to Steam curators via email. That already solves the entire problem because you never have a key that you can put into a different site. Like, why does that not exist? Like, why why is the system half-baked? And it works one way, but not the other. Because so many systems on Steam are half-baked. <laughs> That's true, yeah. That is very true, yeah. True, 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 true. There are so many things <laughs> that I'm like, this could be a lot better. Yeah. I mean, like, how many times do you go to do anything on Steam besides go to your library or, like, directly to the store and get lost or have to look up how to find something? <laughs> the, yeah that's true the amount of times i've had to google how to access my workshop items <laughs> is kind of embarrassing yeah yeah <laughs> that's true or, or let alone how do i refund a game on steam I've gotten how do good i do at that, that again <laughs> hmm? i've gotten really good at that one. Oh, really <laughs> yeah. i know exactly how to do that but on the topic of um steam and uh doing things. Did you know that you can permanently remove a game from your Steam account? Yes, I have done so mm -hmm. with the game that we're going to talk about now. <laughs> that is now All right. Oh, who wants to take Steam. this one? Should I take this one or do one of you want to take it? I I I can do it. Okay. I've um, also done some deep diving so, so I can elaborate on it so you can go. Yeah, yeah. So, um the game that we're alluding to here is one that's been going through the press and it's been going through the press, you know, with with 
quite a lot of regularity in the last few months because um, the uh, developer of said game has just been going on and on and on in the patch notes. It's just been like putting out very notorious and horrible things in the patch notes. Um, basically, the game that we're talking about is Domina, which came out, which is a game, an indie game that came out five years ago in 2017. Um, it is, if you've never heard of the game, uh, it was a pretty, it, was, it wasn't not fun. Like, I enjoyed playing it, I have to say. It was a gladiatorial management game that had Twitch integration. It was one of the very first games to have Twitch integration at the time. And um, it was quite fun. But then, um, it's been apparently iffy for quite a while. Didn't really blow up until earlier this year, though, when the um, developer, because it's a single dev game, the developer started using the patch notes to uh, very much spout their, their their specific political and religious views. Just want to state um, he's... He did. He'd done that for years. People just didn't really catch on or start saying anything until recently. Yeah. So recently, it it, it really blew up because he he um, basically uh, got went on tirades against wearing masks, against you know um, like exploded transphobic uh, com uh, comments recently, and just just basically spewed, as I said, their religious and political hate views, basically. Uh, into into the world via the patch notes, and um, ultimately, and and not just there, they also had um, their their the official game Twitter account got banned. Um, I think his own Twitter mm -hmm. account also got banned. He's also he banned on, a on different Bandcamp, site now. which I just checked. Yeah, he's also banned on Bandcamp because he made the the he made some music as well. So uh, uh, I'm gonna. Barge in here for a second and just say, so yeah, this developer's yeah, name was Big Nick. Um, Nicholas was his name, um, and, or is his name, I guess. Uh, and they, that dude's been around in the games industry for quite a while, actually. Um, he, mm. His first game was just called Zombies. It was a, a Flash game, which blew up and did pretty well. His second game was a game called Corporate Lifestyle Simulator, which got onto Steam ages ago, like 2011 or something. I can't remember the actual release date. Um, and uh, then he like started his own game development company called Darf Dolphin Barn, um, because previously like his only real successes were his music production. Uh, he had a pretty successful um, Bandcamp uh, page where where he he would write music for um, just mostly solo albums, but uh, his his music was pretty good. I'm just I'm gonna throw that out there. Um, but uh, for ages he it was always kind of a weird dude and. Times have changed over the years, right? And like, you know, in 2011, if you were kind of an edgy, weird person, you were just kind of an edgy, weird person. People would look at you funny and then just kind of move on. But people have become, for better or for worse, I think for better, a bit more sensitive and eager to point out when someone is being, uh, for lack of a better term, problematic. Um, if you're just being a dick Atanamsi. in public... Sorry. If you're just being a dick in public, people should call you out on it. And... He was always very notorious for that. Um, the patch notes thing, he always did that. Um, he used to be a subscriber and um, regular in a stream that I watch quite frequently, uh, who also does some music production stuff and plays games on Twitch. And so I kind like I've talked with the guy in Twitch chats before, and he was always very heavy memer and a very strange individual. 
And I, I think that the pandemic hit everybody pretty hard, and it made some people that were edgy meme lords just go way further down the deep end. And I, I'm not totally sure what happened here, because he always seemed like a really smart person, and you'd think that someone who had basic intelligence would know that if you have really crappy opinions like that, don't go screaming it in public venues, especially on your game's Twitter account. Like, I... Well, this, you know, when this I, kind of thing happens, I just go, "What the fuck's wrong with people?" Like, well, shut so up or the get uh, the post was removed, right? It was removed, but the title of it was something along the along the lines of like losing their sanity. Maybe that that was actually true. It, it certainly seems that way. I don't know. Like, I there, can't there's a open lot of it edgy, anymore. There, there's a lot of edgy shitlords on the internet, right? I was an edgy shitlord when I in 2009. It's kind of a fact. Like I, I there's a lot of <laughs> things that I said in 2009 that like I would punch myself in the head for that. But that's called growing up, right? Um, and I think some people just didn't. Some people just didn't acknowledge that you have to be a better person. Um, but um, long story short, you know, Domino's been removed from Steam. I just went and checked. Corporate Lifestyle Simulator's been removed from Steam. He's been banned from every single social media platform he's, he was on previously. I don't know. Maybe he's on, he's on Truth Social now, but who knows? Um, I think I, I saw know. him. He's it's on um, Gab or something. I don't even know what that is. According yeah, to what either. I was reading, it's like the right-wing Twitter. I thought that was uh, Truth Social. But anyway, Truth Social's go getting bankrupt anyway. They they're like they owe um their investors like it's like almost two million dollars in unpaid <laughs> like uh returns, but who knows? It's um it's weird. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to. I mean, it's. I, I think it's good that they removed all of that and that his accounts got banned because his views were utterly horrible. Um, there's no way. There's no other way to describe it. Like despicable things. I I um, think that uh, I'm 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 gonna say a thing right now, and that's his views were horrible. His takes were bad, and he said a lot of stupid shit. But whenever this kind of thing happens, all I can think. And is that someone has a lot of heavily undiagnosed mental health problems. And mm. I, I know that there's there's always like internet vitriol against these kinds of people when this happens. There's a there's a crowd of people that just go, Yeah, screw you. It's good that you're gone. Goodbye. I just feel ill because I look at that and I go, someone is sick and needs help and they don't know no, it. Absolutely. And their only you, response yeah. is to just lash out at people. And Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it, beyond anything. It's just sad. It is, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it is, and it, and we're basically like powerless to do anything about it. Um, it's it's good that their platform that they that they don't know, that they no longer have a platform to like perpetrate their views on. Like they you know they can't spread their views anymore. Um, that's good, but ultimately, um, it is definitely, I think, a person that does need help and should seek help, ideally, because, um, uh, yeah, it, they don't seem as if they've got everything together, really, like, the way they went off, and, yeah, it's, 
it's rough to see and it's sad, yeah. But also, you know, it is good that they're that that yeah they those they, are gone they need now. to be and put in timeout for a while. I think. Yes, consequences. It's good that their actions had consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Where it hurts them. Speaking of actions having consequences, Tencent and Sony have bought thirty percent of From Software. Now I have a yeah. question about this. Uh, is this thirty yes. percent each, or is that fifteen percent each? It was like thirteen and seven. Okay, so between the two of them, they've spent thirty percent. Gotcha. This is one of those articles that I I kind of missed the details on. Yeah, there it is. It is it is thirteen point two five. Okay, so no, sixteen and fourteen because I can do math. <laughs> I, I, I can, I, and because I can't read, apparently. Um, but yeah, I this happens. I I've seen some people going, oh no, it's over. Well, it's from software. Like it's not going to change anything. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, exactly. So so basically, um, um, it's also not quite Tencent directly. It's a subsidiary of Tencent. Not that it matters much, but um, they got sixteen point two five percent. Sony Interactive got fourteen point oh nine percent of shares, and then uh, Kadokawa Corporation is still the largest shareholder with sixty nine point six six percent. They they missed. I know. They should have they they missed the number. Should have been sixty nine sixty nine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. So so basically, they're just spreading. Ten- Tencent is just spreading their fingers into more things. And Sony, um, it's not gonna change anything at From Software though, because they still have the majority of shares. That. You know, I, I think the thing that I will say about this is I feel much better about this than I do about the Saudi government investing in them. Mm, yeah. But, you know, pick your battles, I suppose. Um, they're not going to have enough say to really change anything. But what this does do is it gives them a distribution route into China. So if anything, it'll help them sell their games better. Yeah. And hey, it's also not Embrace the Group. <laughs> well, yeah, true. I. <laughs> Embracer Group is still <laughs> such an unknown quantity at this point, but um, it is. There is apparently just just like super tangent because I, I I saw that there is like um apparently like this weird thing now where um Tencent owns the Lord of the Rings rights, so the makers of Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, are kind of like um so who owns this IP now right now because they don't know because like. It's, there's apparently a little bit of a mess going on with the movie rights as well. I, I just saw like an, a, an article about this today. So Embracer is just not like messing in video games now. It's theoretically also like messing with like IPs in like other industries, so to speak, because they have the rights for those because they got the rights for like the book things, right? And that is not just, they, don't got, they didn't just get the rights for the book things in video games. They got the rights for book things, mm-hmm. for like everything. So Embracer could go and make a movie. Yeah, they could go make a new trilogy of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and like, it's not like um, uh, Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power is based on the movie verse. It is the books. It is the Cimmerillion. Does that include, is that included Embracer Group's rights? I don't know. Um, so apparently they don't know either. <laughs> I found that... Um, Interesting to what see the You know, it is a bit messy. To, yeah. To, to kind of mention something about Embracer Group, I heard a take recently on a different podcast where where they were saying where they were talking about Embracer and like the the founder, and it's like 
it kind of feel embracer group kind of feels like the corporate equivalent of a kid who like had rich parents who just collects all of the action figures and all of the pop figures and all of the like physical video games except this is a kid who owns a massive corporation who ended up with a buttload of extra money in about 2015 who is just buying their favorite game ip without really thinking about it too much <laughs> that's really what it feels mm. like it, it's like someone's just like hey we have Unlimited money. All right, what are you going to do with it? Um, buy Deus Ex. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, uh, if you uh, ask maybe... me, it's like, Greg, if you had, uh, uh, like, unspeakable sums of money and a, and a giant company that could buy literally anything, what would you buy? I would probably be like, I'd remake Deus Ex. Like, that, that would be me. Yeah, yeah, that, that feels, that, that's what exactly what it feels like. All right, so Embracer, if you want to get on my good side, so... That Hobbit post, post simulator, right? Postman simulator. Hit me up, all right? Because I think we can make something really amazing here. <laughs> and like, uh, uh, you know, Embracer, uh, what if you just like give Lord of the Rings rights to uh, the Total War people and, um, you know, get like a, mm. like a, or, or just make a new like War of the Rings style RTS game, you know? Like, I just, I want to, I want to be the Orakai and take over all of Middle Earth. I, what? Yeah, that no, sounds great. No, I'm down with you. Speaking yeah, no, of people great. buying things, uh, China-based publisher NetEase has acquired Quantic Dream. Has Quantic Dream recently done anything? Uh, Detroit. And they're Detroit. making a Star Wars game. That's true, yeah. So they, true. They, they invested in Quantic Dream back in 2019. Um I'm reading this gamesindustry.biz article uh, written, written by James Batchelor, um, who's the editor-in-chief, apparently. Um, and uh, they, they, uh, NetEase invested in them heavily back in 2019. I, I seem to remember this, um, but um, now they have purchased uh, Quantic Dream uh, in its entirety for an undisclosed amount of money. Um, and you know, they're, they're obviously known for, uh, Detroit become human, heavy rain and beyond two souls. And they're working on star Wars eclipse. That's the name of that game. Um, mm. but, uh, you know, this is, this is actually kind of like a similar situation to Activision. I mean, they, back in 2018 and 2017, they were accused of a horrible workplace culture. Um, they, they leaked, um, uh, mm. on, uh, nudes without permission for Elliot page back when they were oh. like the star of this character as Ellen page. Um, and uh, it was like against their contract to have any nudes in the game, but they made the models anyways, and those actually leaked up into like people's hands after the release of the game, which caused huge lawsuits. And that kind of that was like way back in 2013, and that just kind of snowballed after that, and to a point where like there was reports of like uh, photoshopping employees onto nude images from uh, adult films and all kinds of other really ridiculous. Jesus stuff. Christ, yeah. Um, so it's, and like, there's photoshops of like their manage, of like the management uh, in that studio on, uh, you know, not in Nazi uniforms and things like that. Like, it's, it definitely didn't look like a good workplace. And all of that just kind of got sued into oblivion and then thrown under the rug and like hidden from the press for years. And so that's all been in lawsuits for a while and then quietly got closed up and everybody got paid off. So, I'm actually surprised it took this long for somebody to buy Quantic Dream. I was kind of expecting Sony to buy them because they've they were uh, Sony exclusives for so long. But um, yeah, it looks like um, NetEase is buying them off for an undisclosed amount. But allowing them to uh, continue uh, operate uh, independently. Um, so it's not like they're gonna like 
close the studio or move people around or reshuffle anything like that. Basically, they just own the studio now, but they're going to keep doing their thing. And I guess they're going to keep working on the on that Star Wars game. The unfortunate thing is they should remove the, the leadership of that studio. Like, yeah, there's yeah. Mem- there's people in that studio that I I would say need to go the way of Bobby Kotick and just given a buttload of money and told to go away. Like, it's really difficult when you have people that are in charge of Mm. these studios that are figureheads that are, air quotes, important to the long-term existence of these studios, yet, you know, like, David Cage's writing is notoriously, like, racist and not very good, um, which consistently ruins these games. Um, I don't know. It it irks me a little bit that, like, that's actually the route, because when I saw this article popped up, I was really hoping it would be the route of, oh, yeah, no, they're removing David Cage from being in power. but Well, maybe they will eventually after the game comes out. Sure. Maybe, maybe that's something that comes... Because it's an undisclosed sum, so there is potential that this is just the first step, potentially. Potentially, yeah. once I don't know. They've the always been one of those out. weird studios, too, where I kind of wonder how they make money because they don't seem to release games very frequently, and I never know how well they do, but... It is what it is, well, I guess. Detroit Become Human did just... Like and and they, I mean, they they were all console exclusives, right? And now they're on available on PC. So, I guess they they just made a bunch of lo- bunch of money of people buying the PC releases, I suppose. Mm. But still, yeah. Speaking of bunch of money, um, FG, mm-hmm. do you want to take this last one? Uh, sure. So uh, this is gonna make uh, a lot of people not very happy. <laughs> Uh, me included in a way. Um, so, Denuvo is coming to Nintendo Switch. Uh, basically, so uh, Switch games will come with some DRM software in them. Basically, so so basically, it's 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 a program to to stop people from pirating games. Uh, it's not very effective. People, you know, the Nouveau games usually get cracked with like what twenty four to forty eight hours after they come out, um, and then get like the Nouveau gets removed like one to three weeks after release because you know, people people have already pirated the game anyways, um, and it's notorious for um, because if it's implemented badly, it calls to the server to check the authentic uh, authentic authentic. Authent- help uh, uh, authenticity authenticity <laughs> there we go yes <laughs> uh it is late here right Check i'm tired the authenticity authenticity no i can't even say it in german anymore anyways it checks if the the copy that you have is legit or not by calling to a server and if you implement it badly it does it over and over and over and over and over again like really quickly and it will lag out your game it will destroy your frame rate and uh, just make the game run really terribly compared to the pirated version <laughs> so some, something that's worth noting here is people have been ripping switches apart for a while and putting pirated games yeah. on them another thing that's also worth noting is yeah. people have been uh copying discs, dumping the ROMs, and playing them on their computers. Now, this doesn't actually bother me, I think, as much as it's going to bother a lot of other people. And the reason it doesn't bother me is this. Um, Because the Switch is not an always online device, uh, it does have online functionality, but it's not an always online device. 
and because Nintendo has pretty strict regulations as to what can go on the Switch, even mm. if some of the games run like crap, I am assuming that copy protection on the Switch is going to be fine. Largely, all that this is going to do is it's going to deter emulation of games on computers. Um, so people running them on the computers. However, games, console games have had copy protection in, in, in them for decades. Um, and running games in an emulator isn't really something that is, in my opinion, necessary until the console has finished its cycle, right? So, like, as an example, mm. it's important to be able to emulate PS3 games right now and PS1 games right now and N64 games. But, you know, we don't, like, no one's going to go, like, emulate an Xbox One game right now, really, because most of them are still available and also, like, it's not it's not gone far far gone enough even though all those roms have been dumped and you could emulate them there's no real reason to because most of those games are on pc anyways um when it comes to this uh what this really does is it it stops like you know people from trying to run nintendo first party games however a lot of these older emulators eventually just get good enough that the copy protection doesn't matter anymore like um, yeah exactly yeah so you'll just emulate it to a point or you'll have some fpga equivalent where you can just ground up white room emulate the uh or run these on what is equivalently the equivalent of original hardware um and it just tricks the the drm anyways so assuming nintendo does a good job and make sure that these games implement whatever version of denuvo this is properly yes it's a name that a lot of people don't like and yes it's a name i absolutely hate especially in its pc Mm. implementations but for a console i don't actually think that this matters that much I don't think so either. It's just, you know, people are going to be... People hear Denuvo and they just go like, Wah! because it's on PC, as you said, it's, it's oftentimes just implemented so, so, so terribly that, like, you try to do the right thing, you buy a copy of the game, and then you get a worse experience than the people who pirate the game. That just feels like a sort of a kick in the teeth to a lot of people, which I can understand, and I agree, because, you know... You should not punish the people that try to give you money. <laughs> you know, uh, which is which is why yeah. I will never say no to hype trains on Twitch. But uh, <laughs> I, I think now is the time for us to uh, say, you know, thank you very much, everybody, for listening to this podcast. You know, like uh, we're what on thirty three episodes now. We've been doing this for a little while, and uh, it's yeah. it's it's really nice to you know get to get together and chat every week. I think it's time to kind of bring this episode to a close though because it's running longer than i expected it to so uh jess where can mm-hmm. wh- wh- who are you and where can people find you on the internet um who am i i'm a uh, i'm a full-time twitch streamer <laughs> um you can find me on twitch you can find me on twitter and youtube and other places like discord with uh, with the name whoa jess with an underscore sometimes uh, i'm gonna make it more consistent one day fg <laughs> yeah i'm fg fg squared in the long form uh you can find me on a lot of places twitch youtube etc etc like social media you can probably find me there uh fg squared everywhere except on twitter uh because somebody's still hogging that account it's been hogging that account since like 2012 uh so there's a sneaky underscore between the fg and the squared and i'm blind and you can find me at blind IRL and everything uh, and uh, this has been the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. New episodes go up on Sunday. Uh, intro and outro music is by Peter Pohl and Paul Mile, so thank you very much for that. 
And uh, this podcast should be available in any place where uh, organic podcasts are harvested from the podcast trees. And if it doesn't show up in a place that you want to find it, DM me and I'll make it appear there or do my best to make it appear there. And I just want to say a real quick thank you to everybody who uh, has left a review or listened to this podcast or shared it with a friend because it doesn't really matter how many stars you give us. uh, Anything helps the algorithm to uh, promote things on iTunes. So thumbs up to that. And uh, I think we're a five car, a five car podcast, five star podcast. Um, and uh, until next week, don't change that dial. This is Halcyon Frequency signing out. Five car podcast. That's lots of funds. <laughs>